0: No, I am not Trent uh, I'm Pastor Josh, one of your pastors here unfortunately uh Trent and uh his family have come down with a stomach bug um, so like four a m this morning, my phone buzzed, and I knew right away Trent's not doing well so uh just glad to be with you this morning uh I was supposed to be here last week, so maybe this is payback i don't i don't know i I guess i I hate for Trent to have to go through this just to get payback, but uh, I'm glad to be here with you this morning on Palm Sunday. This morning we look at our, what we would call our traditional uh, scripture for Palm Sunday. But as we look at it, uh, Pastor Chris kind of alluded it to a little bit, and it's the question that we have to ask um, when reading through this, and the question that Jesus is wrestling with as he's entering in. Do they understand what I'm doing? Do they truly know what I'm asking of them? Do they truly understand the kingdom that I'm trying to bring into this world, the kingdom that I'm representing as I enter into Jerusalem? Or are they putting me in their own terms? Are they expecting me to meet their own expectations, to meet their own wants and needs? There's a lot of little things throughout this passage that, that shows that Jesus is trying to present to them his kingdom, not theirs. So uh, before we dive into God's word for us today, let us go to him in prayer. God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the opportunity to be here, to be reminded of who you are. God, we come to you carrying much with us from this past week. We have expectations of how you should meet us, but God, you are God and we are not. What you have for us is for our benefit. So help us to lay down all that we are, to receive even more of who you are. Fill us with your spirit to hear your word today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Luke chapter 19, starting at verse 28. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethpage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Tell them, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as they had told him. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? Like, excuse me, why are you taking my my donkey? They replied, the Lord needs it. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. We're going to pause there because there's a lot of little things in here that are important to understand that Jesus is doing to present himself as the Prince of Peace. Remember, the Messiah in the Jewish thought that had developed over hundreds and hundreds of years, and as individuals were raised up and claimed to be the Messiah, and then went on a military campaign against their oppressors, uh, only to be crushed, and then another person claiming to be the Messiah would raise up. Uh, over this time, the majority thought uh, in, in the Israel, Israelite culture at the time was that the Messiah would come as a conquering king. The Messiah would come to restore the political kingdom of Israel. The Messiah would come with military might to overthrow the oppressors of God's people, Israel, and restore the throne of David once again. And so Jesus, all along throughout the Gospels, has been trying to show that he is the Messiah, but not in the way you think. I have come to conquer, but conquer sin, not people. And here, uh, he kind of takes a twist, especially in the Luke's gospel. A lot of of uh, the Luke's gospel is Jesus trying to keep quiet. Right? A lot of times he'll heal someone and he'll say, "Tell no one." Which in our minds we're like, "That seems crazy." You just regained your sight that you never had from birth, and now Jesus is like don't tell anyone just shh, be quiet right over and over again because jesus is saying it's not time yet it's not time for for everyone to start to understand or to make assumptions of who i am it's not time yet give me time to explain who i am to reveal who i am to the people but here and in chapters previous as well but especially here, he is not turning away from the claims of being the Lord, the Messiah, the King of Kings. He claims the title Lord himself. Right When he tells the two that went ahead, To go ahead and find the colt, he says, if anyone asks you, he doesn't say, tell them that Jesus needs it. He says, tell them that the Lord needs it. The Lord there being a very loaded term, right? The the king, the, the one to rule over. People understood what that term meant, which means Jesus is claiming that term for himself. He's not turning away from the baggage that comes with that term. The Lord needs it. Not only that, but he's, he's, he's entering into Jerusalem as a king would enter. He's making a big spectacle out of his entrance into Jerusalem. He's not afraid of the crowds recognizing him and praising him for who he is at this moment. He, he wants them to. He's riding into Jerusalem as if he is a king riding into a city to claim it. A king would ride through a city in a procession of celebration often to celebrate the conquering of a nation, to celebrate victory, to celebrate uh, the, the remembrance of a victory. He would ride into a city to declare his kingship. But there is a little bit of a difference Because Jesus is claiming that he is the king of kings, but he is claiming that he's a different king. He's claiming that he's a lord that is different. He's not riding in on a horse. Horses, for us, they're like animals that we raise on a farm and maybe we use them for barrel riding or roping or or 4-H or something like that. But horses, in this day and age, and in the, the thousands of years leading up to it, were war machines. They're like mini tanks, because without horses, the only mode of transport is connected to your body, right here, your feet. So horses allowed large numbers of people to move faster, to maneuver quicker on the battlefield. Horses were war machines, in this day and age, so for a king to enter into a city with a huge procession of ahead of him and behind him riding a horse was a show of military might and conquering. It was a symbol of his mighty military power and his ability to conquer and overthrow any kingdom in his path. But Jesus didn't ride in on a horse. Jesus did not ride in on a war machine. Jesus rode in on a little donkey. A little donkey. A symbol of peace. A symbol that is meant to, 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 to show that this king does not come with military might and power, but this king comes with a message of peace and prosperity, and goodness. A message of blessing. This was true even if it wasn't Jesus riding on the donkey. If a king of any other nation was to ride in on anything other than a horse, a war machine, or a camel, or an elephant, something like that, that represented a cavalry, especially a donkey, a lowly, small animal that is used only for farming, and marketplace transport. It was a symbol of peace and blessing. So the Lord Jesus, claiming that title, rides in on a donkey, showing that he has come to Jerusalem to claim his spot, but not as a military conqueror, instead as a peace bringer. Jesus is entering into Jerusalem on his terms. He's defining what it means for him to come as the king of kings. What it means for him to come and conquer. What it means for him to come and take his rightful place on the throne. And it's not as a military conqueror. It's not as the expectations of the people. It's on his terms. But unfortunately... You have people in the city that still want to fit Jesus into their understanding. See Jesus as their savior physically and their savior monetarily. Their savior as for power. The disciples is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Hosanna, Hosanna. King, the, the king save us. But some of the Pharisees in the crowd. Teacher, hush. Hush your disciples. They don't know what they're talking about. And then you get this this picture of Jesus. Right? There's, there's fanfare going on all around him. He is entering in as the rightful king, the rightful heir to David's throne, the, the king of kings, the bringer of peace for all humanity, riding into Jerusalem, going into the place where he will once and for all claim that title and that peace for everyone. It's a beautiful, wonderful scene of great fanfare as everyone's excited that the Messiah is here. But verse 41, as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. And he said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace. This is a part that I think we often miss in our our telling of the triumphal entry. This is a huge part of what Jesus is representing as he rides in on the donkey. Here is the message that Jesus is trying to say to his disciples, to the city of Jerusalem, the people in the city that are turning to him, that are excited he's arriving. He's weeping over them. Why? Why? Because if you had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but you did not recognize the time of God's coming. Zechariah 9, which Chris read, really is the, the, the prophecy that Jesus is fulfilling here. And it says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. If we read just that, you go, sweet, yes, Jesus is coming to bring the people of Israel salvation. He's coming to bring victory over our oppressors. He's coming to restore us to might and power and glory in all of the world. But verse 10 is key to this as well. And it's the part that many in Jerusalem and many uh, in Jesus' time would have missed. For God says in verse 10 of Zechariah 9, I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem, and the battle bow will be broken. He, the king, will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea and the river to the ends of the earth. Jesus is claiming to fulfill this prophecy, which is a prophecy of the king returning to bring salvation, but not through military might, but a king who brings peace the chariots of ephraim the war horses of jerusalem the bow of the, bat- the battle bow is broken they're gone there is no military victory with this king instead peace to the nations salvation comes in jesus christ but it's a peace a peace that many in jerusalem miss And it causes Jesus to weep. It causes Jesus to weep because people see Jesus and desire for him to fit the mold in their eyes, to fit their terms. They see Jesus and they see an opportunity to regain power. They see Jesus and they see an opportunity to regain wealth. They see Jesus to regain security. They see Jesus as an opportunity to regain status. And only that. And Jesus is saying, you're missing, you're missing it. Because the Jerusalem people, uh, because of Israel's people, because of the people that are seeing Jesus right now, are so focused on their physical gain, on their earthly gain, that uh, they're missing Jesus because they're so focused on it, it will lead them to their destruction. Their desire for one thing and one thing only, their earthly security and comfort will lead them to their destruction. What Jesus is saying is, if you had only known on this day what would bring you true peace, that I have come to bring you true peace, Peace And that true peace does not come through the conquering of others around you, through the conquering and squishing down of others around you so that you can be raised to a place of power. True peace only comes through me. Through finding salvation in Jesus Christ, from realizing that you are secure in the Father by coming through me. Jesus here is predicting the fall of Jerusalem, which would happen not long after Jesus' death. Because the people of Israel, the people of Jerusalem, were so sick of being oppressed by the Romans that they would rise up. They desired that which Jesus didn't offer them in their eyes. They desired peace and comfort And instead of accepting Jesus' terms of peace and comfort, they sought their own and it led to their destruction. For the people around Jesus, the people for which Jesus wept over, they wanted Jesus on their terms. They wanted Jesus to provide them what they wanted. They wanted Jesus to provide them physical, financial Social comfort. But Jesus resists. Jesus knows this is not the terms that what I'm here for. I am not here for your physical and social and financial comfort. I am here for your soul. I am here for your salvation, for your ultimate Comfort in Jesus. And we see this in the very next story. Jesus is not here to restore the power of the Pharisees, to restore the power of the temple, to restore the power of the earthly kingdom. He is here to restore God's kingdom and God's people. Because in verse 45, after he weeps over the city of Jerusalem and continues his entrance into the city, he goes straight to the temple He enters the temple area and began driving out those who were selling. It is written, he said to them, my house will be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers." Again, Jesus entering into Jerusalem, many people thinking, yes, this is the time where the temple will be restored as the place where God rests, and that's what Jesus was trying to do, but in their mind, that meant power and might and control and financial wealth. And Jesus, not willing to bend to their terms, immediately goes to the temple and upends the entire financial institution On which their security rested. Because it's not about their terms, it's about what Jesus has come to do on this day. To declare, I am the Lord, and I am here to bring peace to all nations. I am here to bring my kingdom. My salvation. I am here on my terms. I think of it this way. I I love sports. I'm huge into sports. And uh, one of the things when it comes to like a sports team is if the head coach is fired and a new coach comes in... That new coach, yes, will take time to learn the players in his team. That new coach will take time to learn the players and the, the, the managers and the assistant coaches on her team. Uh, the coach will take time to learn the culture. But ultimately, if it's going to be successful according to that coach, it's going to be done on their terms. If a coach comes in and says, you know what? what do you guys want, and bends to every single want and need of every single person within the organization, that coach isn't going to be there that long. Bending to the the will, bending to the, 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 the needs and the wants and the desires of every single person doesn't really get the organization moving forward in a healthy direction. Instead, the coach has to come in and say, no, these are the terms these. This is the agreement we signed up for. This is what we are going to do. And this is who we are. That is what's going to move us forward. Here, Jesus is entering into Jerusalem saying, this is who I am. I am the one. I am the king. I am the Lord. I am the one to bring salvation. But it's not on your terms. It's on mine. And here's how we're going to do it. We are going to lay down our lives, even in the face of an enemy, especially in the face of an enemy. Victory does not come through our military might. Victory, strangely enough, as we'll talk about next week, comes through death. I'm not here to bend to your your wants for financial security, to social, uh, to social status, to the physical needs of, of, of being the best. I'm here to bring salvation, to bring the upside-down kingdom into this world, to make my kingdom the normal. These are the terms. This is who I am. Take it or leave it. And that's the message for us today, too. These are the terms. Jesus is not here to make you comfortable. Jesus is not here to make you wealthy. Jesus is not here to secure your power and your might over your neighbor, your stranger, or anyone. Jesus is here for you to be in relationship. Jesus is here to grant you the peace of God's kingdom. And it doesn't come through conquering. It doesn't come through military might. Jesus' terms, lay down your life. Lay down your life so that I may claim you as my own, so that you may have my life. And even if that leads to your death, so be it, because you are mine. Many of us have come to this place with expectations of what God is going to give me. That if I just follow Jesus, I will get this. I will receive financial grace and mercy. I will receive uh, the, the physical grace and mercy. And then when we don't, when that stuff doesn't come, we blame God. God never promised any of that. That was never in the terms of agreement that comes with his salvation extended to us. He promised us life, but a life that is backwards and upside down according to this world, that will face strife, that will face struggle, a life that is granted through death. These are the terms. This is who Jesus is. Not a conquering king coming to ride in and wipe out our oppressors, but a king coming in with peace, willing to die. It's a tough message, it's a tough truth. To know that we can try to make God our own, that we try to think we are the center of attention, that what I want, what I believe I need is what Jesus will give me. It's not true. But what he has given us is far greater than what we could ever imagine. What he has given us is new eternal life. And though it may lead to questions, though it may lead to to suffering, though it may lead to misunderstanding, it is true life with the Father. So blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. The king who brings peace in heaven and glory in the highest, and here on earth as well. Let us pray. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for not being wishy-washy and bending to our desires, our wants, our terms, but sticking to who you are. God, we all have expectations of who you, we think you ought to be. We all have our own terms for what we think this relationship should be built upon. God, may those washed, be washed away so that we may see you for who you truly are, the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings, the loving, graceful, merciful God, who has extended us a life that we could barely even fathom or even begin to understand. Help us to see you for who you are. And help us to live according to your ways. It's in Jesus' name we pray.